the Podjectivity Network. What's up, everybody? This is Chris. Hello. How are you? So today, what you'll be hearing is my interview with Riley. Now, some people hold together the fabric of our lives as a society in ways that we do not always recognize. These are the people that get us through the hard times, the life-altering changes that we all go through. Hospice workers, kindergarten teachers, nurses, really great therapists. These people, the good ones, can make difficult times livable. They do not get Nobel Prizes. They usually do not have massive salaries. But without them, our society would likely fall apart. These are the quiet, sometimes invisible, silent heroes of our communities. For me, birth and postpartum doulas fall into this category. They provide support to women and families of all kinds through pregnancy, birthing, um, adopting, welcoming any new soul into your family. Doulas are there for resources, support, education, consultation. The good ones, the good doulas, are a voice of calm and reassurance during uncertain, sometimes really scary change. The great ones can help you feel peaceful just by their mere presence in the room with you. And the really amazing ones do all that and bring you homemade molasses cookies when you're in a postpartum frenzy with two toddlers and a new baby. And that would describe Riley, who brought me fucking molasses cookies, stocked my freezer with food when I had a new baby, and two other children I was trying to take care of. And she is who I will be interviewing today. So actually, if you thought you knew what the life of a doula was like, this would be a good podcast for you to listen to because it's pretty eye-opening, the dedication necessary to do this kind of work, and I don't think a lot of people appreciate what goes into it. So, uh, and Riley's, you know, one of the best. So uh, she also covers postpartum care, and there's some pretty enlightening things there too. Um, and she shares a birth story. So, everybody, meet Riley. I'm here with Riley Hipsh, <laughs> which I just learned how to pronounce. I've been pronouncing it incorrectly for, oh, I don't know, going on. Eight years, maybe? A while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you introduce yourself and just tell me a few nuggets? Yeah. So I'm Riley. Um, I am a former elementary school teacher. I taught kindergarten and first grade for six years. 
um, after graduating college. Um, and then once I had my first baby, um, learned what a doula was and became one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had, I had also been working while I was teaching and while I was in college as a nursing assistant, Mm -hmm. um, in the OB department at a local hospital. Um, so I knew that I liked birth and I thought it was really interesting. Um, but I had always just been coming at it from the, you know, healthcare side of things. And then once I learned what a doula was, I was like, Oh, this is, this is cool. Like you get to have these deeper relationships with people that span the whole pregnancy and into the postpartum and years into their baby's lives. And, um, that just felt like a really cool thing as compared to, Hey, I'm here for 12 hours and I'll probably never see you again. And I'll take really good care of you in that 12 hours, but there's not that ongoing relationship in the same way. So, um, I've been a birth doula for about eight years now. Mm. Um, I've been to somewhere in the neighborhood of 110 ish births. Mm -hmm. Um, and then along the way, I also became a postpartum doula, um, a lactation counselor. I taught some childbirth education um, classes and just kind of all things birth and baby and early parenting and breastfeeding are just kind of my jam. I have approximately 10,000 questions that just from your (laughs) description. One is it feels like the doula profession is a calling. And I, I wonder if you just the way that you were describing that you build relationships, you can't be a birth doula halfway, you know, because of, if you wouldn't mind just describing um, what a birth doula is and the kind of schedule that you keep from, because I think some people have an idea of what a birth doula is, but in terms of the time commitment and your availability on your end, mm-hmm. what that looks like, I am I want you to paint a picture if you can. Okay. And um, just say what a birth doula is for people who don't know. Yeah. So um, a birth doula, sometimes people call it a labor doula, um, is, I mean, we live in a little birthy bubble here in the Madison area. Um, so a it's, birthy bubble. We do. We kind of have a nice little like <laughs> mm-hmm. birthy community where there's lots of options and resources and doula is a fairly well-known word here in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of this area, it's less common. Um And so a doula is someone that families hire, usually at some point in their pregnancy. Um, If it's something that they knew about beforehand, I've been hired weeks into pregnancy before anyone else knew. Um, And I've been hired days before the birth. (laughs) Um, Like, oh, this baby's actually coming out and that feels a little scary. Um, So at some point during pregnancy, families hire a doula. Um, Usually that involves kind of meeting with a few different doulas and doing an interview that's or a, you know, coffee date or a meet and greet, whatever. Um, Different doulas call them different things. But um, you kind of want to find the doula that uh, a doula that I used to work with always called it vibiness, like Uh that you kind of gel with and that it feels natural and it feels like, oh, yep, this person gets me. I could see being kind of vulnerable with this person. Um, and so mm-hmm. once you find the doula that feels like that good fit, you hire them, um, in this area, usually it's like anywhere from the 800 to $1,200 range for the birth portion. Um, 
And then what that means is that doula becomes a resource for you. So if you hire them at six weeks pregnant, Uh you have that doula available to you throughout your pregnancy for questions and for support and for um, reassurance of, I'm feeling this weird thing in my hip. Is that normal? And doulas will never give medical advice, Mm -hmm. but we can be pretty good at saying like, that sounds pretty normal for this point in pregnancy. Here's some things you could try if you're feeling really concerned never hesitate to call your care provider or yeah that sounds outside the realm of normal or outside of my scope of practice I would give your care provider a call huh so it's in I mean yeah so it includes pregnancy and the road to birth totally as well as being there at the birth yep and during the pregnancy um usually your doula will meet with you once or twice um some people do more um but in sort of a sit down it's just time to hang out. Uh-huh. We always prefer to do them in your home because then we get a chance to come to your house, usually in the daylight, find yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and see you in your space and kind of like, okay, this is what you look like when you're at home, relaxed, calm, you know, in your element. Yeah. Um, which is a really important thing because then in labor, all of that kind of changes and it's helpful for us to have seen you in that. Yeah, it's like a baseline almost. Yeah, totally. And face-to-face too, if you're going to be in the room with someone who's giving birth, I would want to be comfortable with, you know, let's sit down a few times before you're looking at my vagina. How about? Uh (laughs) Um, So yeah, we sit and it's usually a couple of hours and we talk about like what things are feeling really important for you about this birth. Um, Is there anything that you're really worried about? Can we talk through strategies before birth? if it's a subsequent baby, sometimes it's, oh, this didn't go well with my first baby and I do not want that to happen again. How are we going to avoid that? Or I loved everything about my birth. I want it to be the same. Yeah. And so sometimes um, talking through and unpacking a little bit like, okay, here's the things that are within our control. What can we do? And then also holding those things loosely so that, you know, you birth is unpredictable unpredictable it's you don't know what cards you're going to get until you're in labor so I think I've mentioned before I I worked at I mean to you I have but I think I've mentioned on previous recordings that I um, worked at Happy Bambino and one of the great benefits of working there was there's this whole network Mm -hmm. of this like it almost reminds me of librarians where yeah. they have like a secret society of all these connections that they have <laughs> yeah. the doula network is huge mm-hmm. in terms of just like you said the things they know about providers about therapists mm-hmm. about midwives about physical therapists just like the reach is far and mm-hmm. and because you work so closely with families and with the people who are in this arena the you can get at least my experience was talking to doulas you can get really specific information about like you said who's going to be the best fit in a lot of different Mm -hmm. and I don't know if all women understand they can choose who they want with them Mm -hmm. guiding them through this process yep and because some women um have terrible experiences with their doctors Mm -hmm. and uh, I was talking to a woman, this was, she was from a different generation. So she was, I think in her sixties, 
but how she was held down and told to be quiet because she was disturbing other people on the floor some like a nurse like held a pillow over her head to kind of like muffle the sounds I mean this was trauma yeah it was traumatic and uh to know going in that the people who you have on your side would never dare to do anything mm-hmm. to traumatize you, let alone be less than supportive. It's sort of, it, it does release some of that mm-hmm. anxiety. Yeah. And I don't know if, um, if women, I'm always asking, how do you as a doula, let women know who aren't thinking about doulas that they really need a doula, (laughs) you know? It's really tricky. Mm -hmm. And still, I think there is, um, you know, like misconceptions about doulas floating around. There are misconceptions about doulas floating around. Like they're just hippy-dippy, they're going to paint your belly, and then Uh like like that kind of thing. Patchouli and Birkenstocks (laughs) and like, I've had more than one person sit down in front of me for an interview and be like, Oh, like say out loud, you're pretty normal. Like that's not what I was expecting. It's like, yeah, we're pretty normal. Like we're not. Mo- I mean, and you know, there are doulas who are that vibe. If that is your vibe, but no, there's you don't lo- all live in a yurt and totally. Like, and there, but there's a lot more people. Yeah. Like the vast majority, I would say, of my clients are people who want. That, that's that's the other misconception is that all of our clients are choosing home birth. Uh, I can count on one hand the number of home births that I've gone to as a doula. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of my clients are people who feel more comfortable in a hospital. Mm-hmm. They want that medical piece of things and they want a doula to kind of bridge the gap and fill in fill in the gaps a little bit, like be that, that was, soft that space. That was me. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. Can you talk about the your scope of practice when you're in a hospital and how that works if the providers are saying one thing? Like, let's say you have a provider who's um, particularly conservative or mm-hmm. maybe isn't totally in alignment with the wishes of the family. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that? So we do our best to have conversations about this ahead of time. And if we, um, you know, have a strong inclination that that is not going to be a great fit to really explain like you're going to have a better experience if you um, take the leap and maybe try a different provider switch providers while you're pregnant yeah Um, ideally ideally however sometimes people are in a large group practice for reasons that they can't avoid and mm-hmm. maybe a doctor that they haven't met before or you know one who is more conservative than the one that they usually see because of course like in some of those practices there's 15 or 16 doctors there's a range of practice styles yeah um me personally like I think the vast majority of professional doulas we don't ever speak for our clients mm-hmm. um if we've had a conversation about their wishes ahead of time and I see that something is either you know sometimes we can kind of like project ahead a little bit and like "Mm, based on what they said the last time they were in here I'm guessing the next time they come in they're going to be wanting to start Pitocin Uh uh-huh and so sometimes we can kind of foreshadow that a little bit of and Mm. say that say you know just based on 
my experience and what they said the last time, this may be a conversation that comes up the next time they come in. Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions about that now? Or do you want to start to think about that so that you're not taken off guard? Right. Um, But in the moment, um, some things, some phrases that we say a lot are, do you have any questions about that? Uh Or do you want some time to talk? and think about things. Mm-hmm. Um, I am never going to, you know, contradict a provider. Mm-hmm. I am never going to say, I don't think you need Pitocin. <laughs> I'm not a medical care provider. I don't. Right. But I, what I do want to do is make sure that my client feels good about the decisions that they're making. Mm-hmm. I think um, sometimes when doulas first start out, there's like a, you know, you go through a period of, you might have this vision of what a birth should, I'm doing air quotes here, should look like. Mm -hmm. That's not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But sometimes it takes a little while to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's important to me is that that client feels like whatever kind of birth they might've had in their head or whatever they were hoping for, um, it may or may not go that way, but that along the way, the decision points yeah. felt like theirs. Mm-hmm. Like I've had clients who, you know, ahead of time desperately did not want a cesarean. Mm-hmm. And then due to whatever circumstances, it came to that point of like, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. The clients who had... Oh, sorry. That's okay. The clients who had a provider who um, took the time to give them the information. Ahead of time. and Present the options. Mm -hmm. Give them space to think. Like, people will make the decision of, yes, okay, let's do the C-section. Yeah. It's not the decision they ever wanted to have to make, but if they feel like, that was my decision. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to make it, but I did. Mm-hmm. And that's what felt like the best option at that time based on those circumstances. They can come out of that birth feeling like, all right, it's not what I had planned, yeah. but I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And I know that I can do hard things. And, yeah, you know. Like you didn't, they maintain their power and totally. their yes. autonomy, yes. kind of. And other, you know, I've had other clients that had, what some people would like dream births that are fast, easy, natural. I hate that word. I can't even believe it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> fast, easy, unmedicated uh-huh. vaginal birth. And people afterward are like, oh, you're so lucky mm-hmm. that are completely traumatized by that experience. That's not, it's not what they had expected. Mm. And it's really, they have to do a lot of work to process it mm-hmm. so it's just interesting how everybody experiences yeah it's interesting too that um I'm sort of like getting a little bit of a hit on something that I'm going to take a second to look up because I just talked to Allie Brooks she mm. does that empowerment group with Maureen Cassidy yeah yeah and on her Facebook page I read this when I interviewed her, but I want to read it again now because it feels like part of what the doula's presence does is create that space and that like boundary of 
you have room here for some decisions Mm -hmm. and you have room here to feel what you're feeling and to be able to gauge, is there an urgency here or is there not? Totally. And, um, so it's four reminders for empowered boundary setting. When you refuse to set boundaries, you prioritize others comfort over your own needs. Difficult honesty is not unkindness. And I imagine as a doula, difficult honesty is something you guys are very comfortable with Mm -hmm. because there are some difficult situations Mm -hmm. that come up where it's like, all right, here's the facts, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. There's a decision to be made. You've got maybe 15 minutes to make the decision, you know, like maybe 15 seconds, but even, you know, like there, there absolutely are those, um, emergent Mm -hmm. situations where it's like, I really wish I had 15 minutes to give you to think about this and process it. Yeah. I don't. Mm -hmm. You can still have that, you know, mini version of here's the X, Y, Z, why I'm recommending this. Yeah. Here's the plan. Yeah. And do you have questions? Just, I just, there's the benefit of having someone there to do that for you when you're so, so occupied with what's happening internally in your body. Mm-hmm. Cause it can really, depending on what phase of labor and what the experience is, it can just take over completely. Oh, yeah. And just to have someone there to hold that boundary for you mm-hmm. is, is I feel like, yeah, it can make the difference between a traumatic experience, like mm-hmm. you said, or one where even if the unexpected happens, you still come out of it feeling like, okay, you yep. know, I can process that. Yep. Um, I'll just read the other two because oh, yeah, yeah. they were all really freaking wonderful. <laughs> and I just want to read it over and over again for myself. You cannot manage your boundaries and other people's feelings at the same time, which I, I'll come back to that, but. And then number four is it's not your job to protect people from feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I've talked to women who talk about being in labor and thinking about other people's feelings at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my my mother-in-law really wanted to be there. I didn't want her to be there, but Mm -hmm. I need to make sure she feels okay while I'm giving birth, which makes no sense at all. But we do it. Mm -hmm. And... So how do you, how do you approach when it's, you want your client to be able to maintain a boundary with their own family or pressure from sibling, like whatever that is, do you advise on that? Or do you, are you like in your, in your birth plan, I don't know if we still Mm -hmm. use the word birth plan, but if what you had originally wanted was just your husband there or Mm -hmm. just your partner there. Do you a lot of go times, down that route? A lot of times we try to um, s- help strategize it ahead of time mm-hmm. and like get to the, what do you, okay, what do you want? Yeah. Or what do you think you want? Right. And <laughs> uh, yeah, with the disclaimer that that can change at any point and nobody here <laughs> is going to blink an eye. It's fine. Right. Um, but if they're like, say my mother-in-law really wants to be here. Yeah. I really don't think I want her here, but I feel like I should have her here. Mm. You know, talking through that, like, okay, why do you, why do you feel that? Is there, you know, is there, mm, we like to kind of like come at it from the, the hormonal Mm -hmm. because the hormonal 
piece of things because um, labor is a hormonal process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to go the most smoothly and as safely as possible if the hormones, the hormonal state of labor is protected. Mm-hmm. And so um, oxytocin hmm. and generally those flow best in in dark kind of cave uh, cave like yeah, yeah cave like safe feeling mm-hmm. spaces with people who make you feel safe and not watched mm-hmm. and not judged and not like you're on a timeline mm-hmm. and um so I- i'm not sure people know that your labor can stop mm-hmm. if you feel unsafe mm-hmm. or from my experience, uh, I had a nurse that was trying to put an IV, mm-hmm. a, IV, an IV in my hand, couldn't get it. I was progressing beautifully. And then, and it was dark in the room mm-hmm. trying to get this in. She couldn't get lights. it. All the lights come uh-huh. on. <laughs> Another nurse comes in. I'm getting poked with sharp things. And it was like just the breaks. Uh-huh. Labor stops. Uh-huh. I'm frozen. And then trying to get back into that uh-huh. is really, yeah, really tough. And so, like, I think examining, A, you're, we're, you know, provided you're having a hospital birth, mm-hmm. we're the only species that leaves our nest uh-huh. to go somewhere else. Interesting. An unfamiliar space to have our babies. Mm-hmm. That already is a big disruption to the hormonal process. Mm-hmm. We've come up with ways to, like mitigate that as much as possible. Yeah. Right. Like we talk to clients about waiting until your labor has some momentum behind it because then it's less likely to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the other, you know, families can also do this on their own. But if you have a doula, when you get to triage, they're going to go and like dim the lights because we uh-huh. know where the light switches are and pull the, make sure the curtains pulled and, you know, put a little flickery candle, LED something. candle or oh, whatever, yeah. and kind of like help to you know, we might bring some essential oils to put on a wash rag to put by your head so that you're not smelling that hospitally smell. For some yeah. people, that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, or eye mask to cover your eyes so you, you don't have to see what's going on around you. Yeah. Um, but I lost, I totally this lost my train of thought. so great. Even just as you're describing <laughs> it, I'm like, oh, that would be lovely. But right. And like, and modeling for the other people who come in the room, like, the vast majority of the nurses and doctors in this area are amazing. Every so often you get someone who like, oh man. It's your first day. <laughs> it's like, have you, have you been to a labor before? Because <laughs> they come in, they're like, someone's having a contraction. They're like, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Can we blah, blah. And I'm like, she's a little busy. Maybe just wait. <laughs> you know, and you can kind of model like, I'm going to wait until that contraction's done before I ask you that question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use these quiet voices I'm not going to ask too many questions because your brain is not in a it's you're going to say no because it's easier yeah it doesn't require thinking are you thirsty no yeah if you just hold the mug up somebody's going to take a drink yeah um so yeah but back to the like Hmm. other people's feelings like so talking through that hormonal process is your mother-in-law supportive of that? Like, would she support your hormonal process? Would that uh, be helpful to you? Mm, probably not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, what are ways that we can 
frame this conversation. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable honesty. Yeah. Like, I'm really sorry. That's not what we want for this mm-hmm. birth. Um, sometimes it's like letting the partner take that conversation mm-hmm. because that that is that partner's. Yeah. I'd be comfortable, too, throwing the doctor under the bus and yep. just being like, oh, my doctor advised me. Yep. For some people, it, it's strategizing. Like, yeah. my doctor said, or, mm-hmm. oh, the hospital policy is. Yeah, policy. Right. You know, um, and we also talk about too, like, even if they're, even if they just say, I just want to be at the hospital. Yeah. I don't even want to be in the room. I just want to be there. We even try to like, it's not great for you to be thinking, like I have had multiple clients like, this is taking so long. I feel so bad. They've been out there and they haven't slept for blah, 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 because they've been sitting in the waiting room. I feel so bad for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, that is not where your brain needs to be going. Mm -hmm. Um, So just doing everything you can to lessen those little things along the way um, ahead of time is super helpful. Wow. And you know, if like, but also if a grandma is there, doulas are great at like, making friends with grandmas and like giving, (laughs) giving updates in the waiting room Mm -hmm. or if they're in the room, Mm -hmm. buffering that that's the, um, right. Like grandmas are moms first. Yeah. And you know, depend, depending on the generation, a lot of them didn't have these like warm, supportive birth experiences. Right. For they the have, most part. Right. I mean, that's obviously a huge generalization, but they don't have a deep trust of birth. Yeah. Right. They're deeply mm-hmm. mistrustful of it usually. Yeah. And is this taking too long? Oh God. And it's so hard for them to watch. Yeah. Their daughter or daughter-in-law be in pain mm-hmm. or that, you know, and that worry and that lack of confidence. Yeah. Is it just spreads, right? You can feel that. And so um, helping them to just reassurance, right? Like most people haven't been to births other than their own. Right. And so, oh no, this is really normal for it to take this long. This Mm -hmm. is a super appropriate length of time. Mm -hmm. Or, yep, that noise that she's making, that's really great. That's a good sign of progress. Yeah. Or, you know, it's not a thing to worry about. Um, I almost feel like Uh, when I took the prenatal yoga teacher training up in Minneapolis, one of the things that the, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Sarah Longacre did was she, uh, acted out each phase of labor Mm -hmm. and it was like Emmy worthy. It was really, (laughs) really, really convincing. And I feel like almost, I want to, I know that there are birthing videos and where you can kind of get a picture. Mm-hmm. I almost want an 18 hour long video where you put it on early labor takes eight hours mm-hmm. and just leave it on. Yep. And like, just to get a feel for what's actually going to probably mm-hmm. happen if you have like a typical first birth or yeah. whatever. Uh, granted there's all kinds of, because it is, it's like, is this still going? Is yep. it okay that this is still going yep. and nothing's coming out? Like, <laughs> is it okay yep. if I have a drink of water? Is yep. it okay if I, you know, all of a sudden I just shit in my pants or yep. whatever it is. 
to just kind of get a baseline for that of totally this is what it could look like this is how long it could take this is really how long it could take yep because <laughs> yeah you know it doesn't always translate into first of all to try to identify when you do go into labor if you haven't been there before and you don't have a doula then it's sort of like is this happening what's happening am i feeling something is this fake or a uh, false labor uh what is this? Mm-hmm. And then you like call your partner and you're like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. It's like the uncertainty factor. Yep. So to have the doula at that point and be like, this is what's happening. Is it starting? Uh-huh. Is, am I, do I know? And to just kind of have that, because um, there's so much uncertainty. Yeah. And, and right. Like I think having a doula, especially for first baby, right? Like first baby, you've been waiting so long yeah. for this to happen. Mm-hmm. At the first sign of anything, it's like, oh my gosh, this is happening. It's really happening. And people want to like do a thing to make it go. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's not how this works. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, that like adrenaline of like, ah, it's really happening. We're going to do this is like antithetical to the oxytocin that you need. Uh-huh. So, right, you call your doula and they're probably going to say, okay, why don't you drink two big glasses of water? Uh-huh. Have you been walking around or have you been resting? And then whichever you've been doing, do the opposite. Uh-huh. Try that. Uh-huh. If the contractions keep going, great. If they stop, take a nap. Uh-huh. We're like, let's not get too excited yet. Let's let your body just see what it's going to do. Is mm-hmm. it tired? Is your uterus irritable because you haven't had enough water today uh-huh. were you walking around the block and that's when your contractions started go lay down for 30 minutes if they peter out just that's okay um because your body practices mm-hmm. first yep before diving into labor yeah usually mm-hmm. so yeah like i think um you know sometimes people compare doulas to like tour guides or <laughs> sherpas or sherpas. whatever like we kind of know the we know the path the terrain, and we can point yeah. out the markers along the way. So I know in addition to doing birth, doulaing there's the postpartum mm-hmm. aspect and with amy we've talked the three of us have talked and um i think when i was talking with her here we talked about if you had to choose between getting support during or after after is really really important it'd be a tough choice but mm-hmm. um where do you come down on that i mean for me personally mm-hmm. absolutely the after after like my births are straightforward. Mm-hmm. All three of them were pretty like I didn't need a ton of support mm-hmm. during the actual birth process. Um, the after was like, ah, uh, yeah, I could have <sighs> used some help here. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk of... about that with your first? Yeah, I think, um, right, that often people I think are too um, – if they do have a situation like mine, they're too overwhelmed sometimes to yeah. utilize a postpartum doula. But or know they exist. Or know they exist. Mm-hmm. Um but 
the NICU is like a prime time when a postpartum doula can be helpful Mm -hmm. um, in helping you find your voice and in, um, you know, supporting you and maybe like bringing you real food to the hospital Uh or coming and sitting in the room so that you can go and take a shower and not feel like you're missing something. Mm. Um, That often is a big thing. Um, But yeah, I think it just made me realize like, man, it would have been helpful to have somebody to say, here's something you might want to think about. Here's an option. Here's a question. Uh You know, just all of those things that are part of being someone's doula. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I started birth doula-ing, um, that was a, a postpartum check-in, um, wasn't included part of the package. So uh-huh. you go to someone's birth. I, yeah, I don't think we ever finished that first question either. Like what's included when, when you doula, like, what does that mean? Um, so you're like, there is a prenatal resource you go to the birth. You're there from the time your client calls you until a couple of hours after the baby is out. You go home and then usually you're checking in with that client, you know, relatively soon and fairly frequently. You could be at a birth for 20 hours. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 36. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Those luckily aren't common. And especially Mm if, um, if it's a client, you know, that has a, um, you know, air quotes, typical birth, uh-huh. you know, usually th- they happen, but they're not the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once the baby's out, generally I'm checking in fairly soon and relatively frequently just over text message. It's like, Hey, just checking in. How uh-huh. are you? How's your body feeling? Mm-hmm. Has your milk come in? How's nursing going? Um, what que- you know, what questions you have, even while they're in the hospital sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once, you know, sometimes I'll do a check-in at the hospital. Sometimes it's once they get home, go over and part of it is, how are you? Yeah. What, you know. Because when people come over, if they're coming over, they're they're going straight to the baby. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> mom is over there somewhere, but mm-hmm. not getting much attention. Yeah. So then to have someone postpartum, like a postpartum doula come in and yeah. be like, mama, yeah. how are you? <laughs> yeah. And I think that was the piece that like, um, when I first got into doulaing, I was really excited about the birth and then pretty quickly was like, oh, this is like, uh, oftentimes a equal or sometimes bigger piece mm. of the puzzle is that postpartum um, support. And, you know, initially what, what I would offer was, it was just like a check-in. So it was a go ask, you know, are there any other resources that you need to be connected to? Do you need a lactation connection? Do you need a therapist connection? Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, and also processing the birth story. Sometimes it's like them asking questions of like, who said that? I remember Uh. this thing or did that happened before that or you know just kind of like sorting through as they're processing their birth into their story was my partner really watching tv (laughs) or did i dream that no no (laughs) (laughs) yeah but right like doing that processing with and sometimes that's like and especially if it's a birth that didn't go as planned Mm -hmm. 
that um, it's really powerful for people to have someone who witnessed it and can say, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh huh. Or, you know, you did that. Wow. Or that is a big thing for people. Did you ever, I remember Emily Clark had um, on her website and I stole it because I loved it so much, a quote that said, um, when a child is born, the mother is also born. Mm -hmm. A mother is also born or Mm -hmm. something like that. And that's what that makes me think of. It's like, this is a new person sitting in front of you right now. They Mm -hmm. are not the person they were a week ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 100%. Someone needs to be asking questions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like just through that little bit, as I went along in my doula career, eventually was like, I think standalone postpartum, Mm. you know, there's birth doula certification and there's postpartum doula certification certification is kind of a it's a much debated topic in the doula world right now um I am certified as a birth doula Mm -hmm. I am trained as a postpartum doula I never actually completed my certification just Uh because I got busy doing the work and the certification doesn't it's some hoops. It's hoops, and it doesn't really hold any meaning right. as things stand right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make me more or less qualified to do the work that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so other than costing some more money. <laughs> right. I went through that same thing myself. I went yeah. through a training, and then there were some other things to do, and I'm like, I don't need those other things to do this if I want to do yep. it. But so then you don't get the certified. Right. You don't get to put those letters after. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which was okay with me. Yeah. Um, But so then starting to do that, um, that part of the work. And so a lot of times as I did this a little longer, you know, first time parents Mm -hmm. often are just so focused on the birth. Like they can't think ahead to Mm -hmm. the baby because the birth is just such a big thing standing in front of them. Yeah. Which, right? Of course it is. It's this huge physical endeavor Mm -hmm. that you can't train for. No one can explain it to you until you do it. Yeah. You know, you can learn about it as much as possible, but you don't know what hand of cards you're going to get. Yeah. Um, And so that, like, I get why people fixate on that mm-hmm. because what an unknown it's unknown yeah. yeah um and then subsequent babies those families are often like I, the baby's gonna come out <laughs> that's gonna happen this is what we know <laughs> for sure and then I'm gonna have to take that baby home <laughs> where there is already a toddler or a preschooler <laughs> yeah and I'm gonna have to survive life with a newborn so let's figure that out because that's going to be the longer period Mm -hmm. of time um and so oftentimes people who are like really gung-ho about getting some postpartum support lined up have had a baby before and are like yep yeah uh, sign me up Mm -hmm. um and so postpartum support doula support I think is the one that is less commonly talked about and less commonly known Mm -hmm. um and when I talk with families about it, it, I, I usually just say it's like, I show up and I do whatever 
you need mm-hmm. for you to feel okay that day. So it could be just about anything. Like I might prep some meals for you so that you're set for the week and mm-hmm. that isn't a stressor for you. I might sit on your couch and just talk to you and let you cry about whatever you're feeling sad about mm-hmm. or happy about or yeah, <laughs> whatever. I might hold your baby so that you can take a shower or a nap. Oh, that's amazing. I might play with the toddler for a little while so you and the baby can go take a nap. Mm-hmm. I might take the baby and go put them in a carrier and go prep some meals or sweep a floor so that you can play with the toddler without mm-hmm. feeling torn in both directions. Um, and the overnight part? Yeah. Overnights are um, a newer, like that's probably the newest piece of my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I should disclose too that you were a doula. You weren't at my birth, but mm-hmm. you brought me cookies <laughs> and they were really good. I did. And other food and you stocked my fridge or my freezer and it's like one of my favorite things are those damn cookies. <laughs> like I just, all, I will always associate and you gave me the recipe too. So now it's always like a nice memory. Oh, yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't made them in a while, but those were so Which molasses. ones did I, oh, the molasses brand ones? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I haven't made those in a while either. I yeah. So to. I should disclose <laughs> that you were doula to me as well. Yes. But, um. Yeah, so the overnights, Mm -hmm. I often wondered about that. We ended up not doing that, but can you just describe Mm -hmm. what that's like? Yeah. Um, So when we talk about overnight doula support, the way that I explain it to families is that I will come to your house for, you know, eight or nine or 10 hours, however many hours we agree upon. Um, And the goal of those hours is for me to facilitate sleep for the whole house. Mm. So <clears throat> whatever that looks like. Usually with most families, what that looks like is that the baby and I are in a separate room somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm doing all like if the baby is breastfed, I bring the baby to you when they're ready to nurse. I take the baby back when they're done nursing. If you need support with nursing or you're, it, it's a new, new baby and you're learning, I stay there throughout and help you figure out positioning or like uh, latching or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are like have it down pat and you know what you're doing, like I bring the baby to you, I come and get the baby, take them back, change the diapers, do all the patting and bouncing and soothing and mm-hmm. whatever to settle them until they're back to sleep so that you can maximize your sleep time. You're awake for the actual feeding and that's it. You don't have to worry about the grunting and the settling and the, yeah, you know, whatever else babies need in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if, if the baby is settled and asleep, I also, it's in my, like, it's in my contract that I am then able to rest or sleep as well. Uh-huh. Um, I often will, you know, try to take care of if we use any bottles, take care of that. If if there's dishes in the dishwasher, I try to unload the dishwasher. If there's baby, oh, if there's my baby God. laundry, you know, I'm I'm not gonna do like That's nice intense house chores that are gonna be disruptive. Yeah. But like if there's baby laundry, I fold that and try to just like take care of that. Um things related to the baby. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like 
be another set of hands in the middle of the night so that you can get as much sleep as possible. For some people, that's a one-time respite, like Mm -hmm. I am at the end of my rope. Mm -hmm. I might go crazy. I Mm -hmm. need a night. Yeah. And that might mean that if it's a breastfed baby, that they might pump and like, here's some bottles. I don't want to. Yeah. I'll wake up and pump and go right back to sleep. Like, Mm -hmm. otherwise I don't want to be disturbed. Um, But other times it's on an ongoing basis, depending on what circumstances, you know, folks have in their lives. Because with newborns and for those first few weeks, you're pumping every two hours, two or three two hours, to four hours, mm-hmm. depending on. So the most time people of day. wake up in the middle of the night to feed their baby at some point, yep. and if you're not feeding your baby, ideally you're you're pumping, removing milk, and I mean especially Usually it's uncomfortable not to. That's but it. that's what I was just gonna say in those first four to six weeks Ugh. you're gonna wake up yeah. you're gonna have to because it's gonna hurt <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's and for other folks it is on a more ongoing basis and sometimes that's like um clients that I've done that for are like there's a partner with an unpredictable job they uh, might be you know mm-hmm. a doctor with crazy hours and they're not predictably home mm-hmm. um or maybe the um person giving birth had a especially physically traumatic birth and Mm -hmm. either lost a lot of blood or had a surgery or you know needs to recover in some way yeah Um, sleep is right critical they need to be able to sleep as much Mm -hmm. as possible and you know just the physical getting up and down with a baby is a lot Um, yeah so those are things that I can help with yeah and then that um that, you know, I think the postpartum kind of ties in with my lactation counselor stuff. Um, so important. Yeah. Lactation, because uh, for me, and I know for a lot of women, we just wrap it right into, am I a good mom? Is mm-hmm. breastfeeding going well? If it's not, I'm not a good mom. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what I'm doing, and I should I should know how to do this. It's natural. I should know what to it's do. So, it's natural. It's like, I should just uh-huh. automatically know, and the baby nope. should automatically know. And if the, if there's something not right, then I'm not bonding to them, and they're not bonding to me, and they're going to need therapy. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's so much wrapped up. And then all the hormones of, like, yep. oh, my God. It, it just gets so enormous. Yeah. Because it's your whole world, like every two hours, that's what you're trying to do. And if it's not going well, it feels devastating. Mm -hmm. And you are in this hormonal place of like, it does take on a bigger, uh, you know, importance. Mm -hmm. Overblown. I have said to my husband Mm -hmm. lots of times, thank goodness breastfeeding worked out with Miles. Like I had to work with a lactation consultant yeah, for a couple of months mm-hmm. to get him fully transitioned. Like we had a nipple shield and he had been on bottles and to get him fully transitioned to breast. But that felt like, okay, no, I'm doing it. Like yeah. nothing went the way that I wanted it to with his birth. Uh-huh. And so then I feel like I became even more uh-huh. invested in like, well, this is going to go, this is going to work. Yeah. According to plan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and like, thank goodness it did. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was work and we had to have help, 
-hmm. but eventually we got to the place of like, okay, we got, we got this figured out. Um, but I think that really made me curious about how does this whole process work anyway? And like, when do you need to call someone? Yeah. And who is there to call and what are they going to do? Um, I think that was, and learning to sort out like, who's giving good advice? (laughs) Who's not? (laughs) Right. You know, for myself, like learning Mm -hmm. to sort out, you know, more than once I encountered a care provider, which I switched at some point in his first year because I encountered a care provider who said something stupid about breastfeeding and like, oh, "Oh, well, you need to X number of minutes. And I was like, Mm. my doctor said it's supposed to hurt. (sighs) I'm like, it really hurts. She's like, it's supposed to hurt at first. It's supposed to hurt. (laughs) And I was like, you're fired. (laughs) I'm getting a new doctor. (laughs) And like finding that I needed to figure out that like, no. Yeah, no. I understand right. you're the doctor. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm finding Maybe. I'm finding yeah. a new doctor now. I think one of the I had had several lactation consultants and one of the most important things that they taught me which seems so how would you know this is that you can nurse laying down. And I oh. I didn't know. Game changer. I just didn't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, like, why would you? Why would I know that? Yeah, you don't see people out laying down nursing their no. babies. And well, every and, picture of, of any nursing mother, they're always uh-huh. with the cradle hold, you and, know, like we, gazing upon yep. their... And that's the thing that I... Like, as people are learning to breastfeed their newborns, mm-hmm. you don't see people breastfeeding new newborns, like, mm-hmm. out and around. Like, that's not a thing that most people have seen. Because they're usually at home. Right. They're at home <laughs> trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, right, like, not Or a discreetly lot. in the corner right. or whatever. Or, and not a lot of mm-hmm. us are invite, invited into that space. Right. Of How would you know? Right. Like, once upon a time, probably by the time you had a baby and were trying to figure out breastfeeding, you had seen your mom breastfeed a couple younger siblings. You had mm-hmm. seen your older sister or your auntie or your cousin or your whoever. Yeah. Figure this out and do it before you did. And it wasn't such a like mysterious mm-hmm. process. And we just, we don't, we don't have that kind of community anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, right. Giving people that like, why would you know this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, it, it's going to be a learning process mm-hmm. and you're doing great. Mm-hmm. And also not knowing, sort of having the idea that, my body will automatically produce the right amount of milk mm-hmm. um, right off the bat, and the baby will automatically know how to take that milk in. And just having talked to people where it's like, they're gushing. Uh-huh. They're, there's just such oversupply. Mm-hmm. And then other people that are really struggling to get enough milk. And yep. just it, the idea that it's all yeah, it's like- just set in stone. Everything works out perfectly. <laughs> yep. Everyone knows what they're doing. Yep. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it. I mean, it's like, I don't know why we birth and every parenting, like, it's like everything else. There's variations yeah. of normal. There's different, right, like extremes. Mm-hmm. So this kind of brings me to um, wondering if you would tell, share a birth story of yours. 
Yeah. So, um, I'm kind of weird in that none of my births really follow a air quotes, normal path. Um, (laughs) so I think the one though, that was least normal, (laughs) um, was my first birth. Um, so I had, you know, at this point I had worked in OB as a nursing assistant for, I don't know, eight or 10 years or something like a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was 34 weeks pregnant and asleep and woke up. 34. Okay. So six weeks before. Six weeks before my due date. Mm -hmm. Um, and woke up to a big gush. Um, and went and sat on the toilet and was like, maybe I peed. Uh-huh. Like, you know, because I was asleep. Maybe I just, I don't know. Peed my pants. <laughs> and so, but I think it was my water. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And so I went and called and they were like, well, it's not abnormal to pee, but you know, if you're unsure, go ahead and come in. I'm like, I mean, it still feels like it's trickling. I'm pretty sure it was my water. How far were you from the hospital? Mm, like 30 or 40 minutes. Okay. So it's not just like around the corner. Right. Mm-hmm. No. Um. So, and we, um, we were planning to deliver at Sauk with Miles. Uh Um, so we drove over and that is the hospital that I had worked at. And so, um, we drove over and, um, when they're trying to determine if your water's broken, there's two different tests that they do. One is like a swab Uh that they'll swab, like your vaginal opening and perineum and see if it, if there's amniotic fluid there. Uh huh. And, um. So that one, I think the nurse did that and it was negative. Oh. Um, but then there's another one where they like take a strip of like pH paper, I think, and uh-huh. then like have to hold it in a solution, whatever. That one takes a little longer. Yeah. And so she was doing that one as well and was like sitting there chatting and I was hooked up to the monitor and she's like, well, you're having contractions. But like at this point I wasn't uncomfortable. I was like, I mean, this is how I always feel. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> And she's like holding it in this thing and talking to us. And she's like, oh, and yep, it was positive. I'm like, Mm. I thought so. Um, And so she called my midwife to come and she lived a little, probably about the same distance away from the hospital. So she's like, okay, I'm on my way. Um, In the meantime, like, it's like, oh yeah, these are changing a little, like, I'm needing to focus on them or stand up or, yeah. um, and you know, oh, oh, another really common labor thing that sometimes people are not, a, it's a little, you know, maybe TMI, but like loose stools are a thing when yeah. you're in early labor. And so I was having some of that in the in-between and I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, this might be a thing. <laughs> Something's happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she got there and she's like, well, I don't want to do an exam, like a typical cervical check, um, because that can introduce bacteria. So she wanted to do a sterile speculum exam. Uh huh. And she's like, I'll just be able to see what is going on. Um, so she did that. And as she, she's like, oh, well, I can see a baby's head with a lot of hair. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> so then she went ahead and did the exam. And she's like. Yeah, you're six or seven centimeters. Okay. Can you detail six or seven out of? So 
10 is complete. Uh-huh. It goes zero to 10. Um, at 10, it's considered fully dilated and you're ready to push. Um, or so six or seven is pretty far, pretty far along. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so plus there's a head there. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she's like, well, I don't think it would be safe at this point to send me by ambulance to Madison because Sock does not have a NICU. Oh. And for babies under 36 weeks, okay. they, Sock typically transfers those patients to Madison because they, they're not equipped for babies that young. Mm, but at like seven centimeters. She's like, I don't think it would be safe to transfer you sure. by ambulance. Um, so we're going to go ahead and deliver you here, but mm. we're going to call the Meritor NICU team to come here. Okay. Um, Did that make you nervous at all, the way that was playing out, or um, were you okay? Not, I mean, I was pretty, by that point, preoccupied with oh, were you? what was going on. <laughs> um, were you working? Because, like, when my water broke, mm-hmm. um, it was about 2.30 in the morning. Oh, boy, yeah. And I think she checked me at, like... 45 or something uh-huh and I was seven centimeters and then um that's pretty fast mm-hmm. and then that last chunk got kind of crazy once it was like oh yeah you're having a baby here and this baby's going to be little um early you know whatever um it just kind of was a you know flurry of Ooh, okay. We, cause I think at first they were, it was like, I mean, probably you're going to go home. Probably yeah. the water's not broken. And then it was pretty quickly like, oh, there's a baby imminently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he, I mean, he was born at 723. So wow. From my water breaking to him out was five hours. Wow. Um, I think I pushed for maybe like 35 or 40 minutes, something mm. like that. Um, which is not, not, not super long for Mm -hmm. a first baby. No. Um, and I remember like I had talked to my midwife ahead of time and was like, I really would prefer not to give birth on my back. You know, that Uh was a thing that I had. And so I remember her as I'm pushing, like saying, I know, I remember that you said you didn't want to give birth on your back. Do you want to try to turn over? And I was like, Uh. no, (laughs) like, are you crazy? I can't think about doing anything right now. Yeah. It was just so all-consuming like no I can't turn over right now Mm -hmm. that's not a thing um did you have did you say you had a doula there I did not you did not at that point I didn't know what a doula was okay um yeah we we hadn't gone to we were supposed to go to our childbirth class the next weekend oh (laughs) um which I at that we were primarily going for my husband um Mm -hmm. but yeah we were supposed to go to that the next weekend um yeah didn't happen yeah (laughs) um yeah, that last chunk, though, was just like, I was on the birth ball a lot. I remember that. But mostly it's pretty fuzzy because <laughs> there was a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was born and um, I, th- I don't think the NICU team, like they got there like probably as he was delivering. So by the time they got in and set up, so he went over to the warmer with... Um, the doctor that was there on call. And How much did he weigh? <laughs> he was six three. That's pretty big. And that's mm-hmm. <laughs> for that early. Uh huh. He was on track to be about the same size as my other two. Um, wow. Which I'm glad he was the first one. 
<laughs> pave the way with that smaller head. It's fine. Um, but yeah, he went over to the warmer right away. Um, and they brought him over and I, I maybe held him for 30 seconds, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Not a minute for sure. Aww. And then he went back out and they took him down to the NICU team because he was breathing pretty quickly and retracting when their chest comes in as a a sign that they're Mm -hmm. working harder than they should to breathe. Yeah. Um, Which is expected Mm -hmm. for a baby, his gestation. Um, So they like got him stabilized and like started an IV and like that was really sad to see like your little tiny brand new baby with an IV Um, and like. And not holding. No. That would be really, yeah. I imagine it would be hard. Yeah. Did it feel hard at the time? Uh, not at the time. At the time, it was just like, right? Because I was still, because once the baby's out, you have to deliver the placenta. Yeah. And you have to, re- Busy, you know, still, yes. have to have a tear repaired and, ha- mm-hmm. you know, um, so I was still busy and relatively quickly. I mean, I think it was probably within the hour they mm-hmm. came down and were like, okay, he's all packaged up. We're headed to Meritor. Oh boy. Um, We'll see you there, basically. Yeah. Um, As you're like <laughs> delivering placentas, and uh-huh. you're like, I, I'll I think catch by up then with that you. was done. Yeah. <laughs> I will see um, you there. And oh my gosh, I mean, thank goodness my my midwife was great, and she's worked it out so that I could get. Um, they were really wonky about if my, if we would have just driven, Meritor wouldn't have accepted me as a patient. Oh. So, so she had in. me transferred by ambulance so uh-huh. that they would accept me as a patient so that I could be monitored. Wow. While he was yeah, upstairs. Yeah, that's good. Smart. Yeah. Um, so she worked all that out. But I have a super distinct memory of sitting in the hospital room at Sock. Yeah. Pumping. Oh, colostrum. And like looking at my husband with this like, <laughs> we have a baby somewhere. <laughs> Six hours ago, we were both sound asleep. Yeah. What the hell? Just like, what the hell just happened in the last chunk oh of time? Oh, my God. That's so fast. And yeah, just totally like shell shocked, you know? Just, yeah. Whoa. Um, so yeah, then they, we got trans, I got transferred by ambulance down to Meritor. Um, I remember being so, like, the ambulance crew took me into whatever room I had been assigned and we're like okay here you go your nurse will be in in a minute well then right like all I want to do is find out where my baby is yeah and so like I'm sitting in this hospital room alone because like they went out to go do whatever they needed to do Mm -hmm. well then this resident comes in and sits down and in this like chatty she's like so tell me why you're here I'm like oh are you joking me? Um, <laughs> I just had a baby. I would like to know where he is, please. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. So that was like not awesome, mm-hmm. but relatively quickly then we got upstairs and, you know, then began the two weeks of learning about the NICU. And I think that was a, um, that experience I think was a big piece of why doula work was like, oh, because that would have the NICU piece, especially like the birth was what it was. And I think some people probably would have, um, not felt great about it. Yeah. 
like the physical experience wasn't really traumatic to me. Like, you know, it was intense, but it didn't feel traumatic. The like early piece of it. Uh huh. I think I had worked there long enough to know that like 34 weekers do okay. Like uh-huh. he's going to need some support, but they do fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't like scared for him, mm-hmm. you know, in, in survival like a, wise. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the physical piece for me wasn't, it was pretty much what I expected. Um, but the NICU piece of like navigating being a mom Mm-hmm. Like before I was fully prepared, you know, does, does that make any sense? Like those last six weeks, I feel like are a lot of shifting into like, oh, I'm going to meet this little person that's been like mm-hmm. hanging out in there and um, trying to um, have your like authority as a parent mm-hmm. or find that mm-hmm. for the first time in the NICU is hard mm. because it's so um managed and yeah. like no 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 that's the this is how you touch your baby this is how you feed your baby this like we'll tell you the right way to do it huh and um and again right like there's a wide variety of nurses. The first nurse we had was not a good personality fit for me. And so those first, uh, we, they try to keep the same nurse with you for however many days because less transition, which is great if you get, if that's a nurse that jives with you. Mm-hmm. That The first one for the first two or three days did not. And so, you know, when I went up there first, the first day, like all I wanted was to hold him. Of course. And she was like, no, no, no. He needs to stay in here. Not mm-hmm. today. What? Well, then I found out later. Um, the next morning before I was up, Bill went up to the NICU uh-huh. and was like, she is holding this baby today. So <laughs> do, figure it out. Do what you need to do. Because <laughs> this is happening. And I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just was a lot harder to kind of embrace that. Like, oh, I'm the, you know, parent of this tiny little human. Yeah. And I think that's a. I've never heard that described that way. I've talked to a couple people who have said the NICU, that experience was difficult. It was difficult not being able to hold them all the time. Mm -hmm. But I haven't ever heard it put in that context where it's like, even aside from if you had been able to live out those last six weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, to then have all your instincts starting to flow and juice up and kick in and and to have uh, something be in the way of that, mm-hmm. like an establishment or a structure has to be there to ensure survival. Mm-hmm. It, f- it does feel like a weird interference of like the natural flow yeah. that I never have. Cause and and it, felt, it felt somehow extra frustrating to me because I was like, he's fine. Yeah. He's on oxygen. Uh-huh. Like. Why can't I hold him? He's on oxygen and a breathing heart monitor you know to make sure that he like he's okay yeah um it felt super frustrating to like because I did feel like he just I need to hold him of course and um for him too right Mm -hmm. and so yeah 
I remember there was one one day like because we now, right looking back now I'm like oh my gosh if he had been a full-term baby and then one of my other two subsequent babies had been preterm uh-huh. and in the NICU it would have been a whole different ballgame hmm. because I would have already had that identity as a parent uh I think I would have been more comfortable saying no thanks yeah like but because I didn't I hadn't formed that yet mm-hmm. I was like okay if you think that's best or, uh but one day I remember we had we were going home each evening mm-hmm. um which now again right like looking back probably we would have traded off one of us staying but like we just didn't know um, and you didn't have a doula there saying, right. hey, you have this option if you want. Totally. And like I hadn't learned as much about babies and yeah. their stress response and their, well, right? Like whatever. Um, hmm. But we had been going home each night. And I remember one morning I, we were like, okay, let, I was like, I want to get there by whatever time because they have them on a schedule of every three hours they feed them. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to get there by X time because I pumped this milk and I want to make sure that he gets this milk. And I got, you know got there whatever 10 minutes or 15 minutes before the feeding and was like here I have milk for him to have she's like oh no no I already mixed up a bottle so he's gonna have that a bottle of what there was formula for the first like mixed with some milk or something Uh and I was like I don't and she's like no I already mixed it so that's what he'll have and I just remember being like oh (laughs) um I'm feeling anger yeah (laughs) um but but not knowing that you can say no yeah Take the milk. Right. This is what he'll have. <laughs> um, yeah. But toward the end, I do remember, like, hmm. I really wanted to get going with breastfeeding. And, yeah. you know, it was kind of like, well, try once or twice a day. We don't want to tire him out. We want to make sure that he's getting enough calories, which, right? Like, that is all, yes, absolutely. And also, by the end, I was like, we've been here two weeks. Fine. I will feed him by a bottle so that I can get him out of here and get him home. Mm-hmm. And then I will do what feels right to me. Yeah. Right. Well, of course, monitoring it. Like, yeah. But as soon as we got home, I was like, no, we're nursing. Like, that we're going to figure this out. He's, if I need to top off with a bottle, great. But he's doing okay. Yeah. It's interesting because you have that nurse brain already kicking in so you sort of know what's safe right I imagine people that don't have the the medical background probably just do what they're told well, across the right? board and it pro- that probably feels and that's the like I think for people whose baby is like really early or maybe don't have like I've been working with newborns for however many years by then mm-hmm. like I was comfortable with babies you know it wasn't like this foreign Sometimes, you know, you hand a baby to a new family and it's uh, like, uh, <laughs> you know, just like trying to figure out how this? to hold them yeah. and how can I move them? And are they like, they're making noises. Totally. And, yeah. Like I didn't have that. It just felt like I know what to do. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it that's not how they feel. And mm-hmm. so I want to be really clear about like, I think a lot of people in the NICU are like, thank goodness Yeah. for these. And again, like I said. There's amazing staff, and then there's staff that you don't gel so well with. Yeah. I just had the bad luck of having a nurse that was like, you are not my cup of tea right now. You're not what I need in this moment. Yeah. Um. So I think a lot of people have the experience of the NICU being a place of like, 
thank goodness. Yeah. I'm so grateful because there's, I just remember feeling every day we went in there, um, there were two babies in the room right next door that were twins. Yeah. And so Miles was six weeks early. And by the time they had a similar due date. Yeah. And by the time we got there, they had already been there for like 60 days or something. Wow. And right. Like I just remember thinking like, okay, wow. This 13 days that we're here feels like an eternity. Yeah. It's nothing. It's not. It's nothing. He's fine. He's healthy. This other, like, right, this other family has been, their, the mom was back at work because she was out of maternity leave. Oh, my gosh. And her babies weren't, right? Like, I just remember, like, okay, this is perspective. a small, right, yeah. perspective. And so I think my experience was that it was, that was the harder piece for me. And it sounds like it kind of, like you said, pulled you a little bit towards that kind of work of being the voice in between to say, because you can feel gratitude and thank God this NICU is here and thank God for the people who know what to do mm-hmm. in cases like totally. this. And But you can also feel, I know I have choices here and I don't know what they are. Yeah. And or this doesn't feel good, and I don't know what and to I don't do. Know why? Yeah, or like, at, I don't even know what questions to ask. Right. Or so it's like a powerlessness and a gratitude. It doesn't have to be either or. It sounds like it was, and all things at once. But that mother instinct wanting to take over and sort of having to wait. It yeah. must have felt like an eternity. Yeah. Even though it was, like you said, compared to some other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, you know, it was your experience. 